Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. September 24th, 2020. Gino Vocola here, your co-host of the Mike Abadir Show, alongside the main man, Mike Abadir, like always. And Mike, just uh, another crazy week in the world of sports. We are in the middle of the NBA Conference Finals. We are on the, the last weekend of the baseball season with the baseball playoffs beginning next Tuesday. So by the time we talk again next week, we'll already be... You know, some teams may have already gotten through their wild card rounds. We have week three of the NFL coming up. And while the NFL is awesome weekly and exciting, we are probably coming off the one of the worst individual days or weekends as far as injuries are concerned that I can remember, especially when you're talking big name players and when you're talking major injuries. So we have a ton to discuss on this uh, episode of the Mike Abadir show. Yeah. And I'd love to be able to give, uh, for us to give our MLB picks. Like you mentioned, they're already going to be, uh, and, okay, and, and, some of these series next. So, week, so you know? I have a question for you too. I was going to ask you this and I'll ask you and I'm, I'll put some pressure on you on the air. Do you want to come on? That's what G said and record a preview on Monday with me. Ooh, We can do like a half an hour. We can preview. I'll have it up on Monday night. It's and we can work on it sometime throughout Monday and it'll be up on Tuesday by the time the first round of the playoffs start. I think that's a great idea. So, first of all, any listeners of of either show should be listening to the other. That's that's the first thing. Um, if you haven't listened to that's what G said before. It's if you like this, you'll like that. A little yep. bit of a different format, a little bit of a different style, but much more in depth into a lot of these games and breaking them down. And so when I've been that on, way. What happens in the next we've four? got like two hours doing baseball previews. And yeah, stuff, we've done you know? we've done a bunch. That way we can we can take a half an hour, 34, 40 minutes, whatever, and we will know all the matchups exactly. We exactly won't have to right. Guess. Because even right now, even though the American League is pretty much, you know, it's it's pretty solidified, we still don't know exactly who's even in or out in the National mm-hmm. League or mm-hmm. the, you know, the slotting and positions and stuff. So that's a great idea. And my answer is yes, Gino. I awesome. will join okay. you. Let's do that. We'll, uh, that we'll, we'll plan on that. Absolutely. We can, we but just can get generally speaking, in. though, how are you kind of feeling just uh, as, as a Dodger fan going into big, this? Big I've night seen tonight some teams kind of throughout the uh, one-inning start for starters. How do you feel about that, first of all? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't like it. I, I don't know about starters. I don't either. You know, I, I'm not sure. I don't like it for starters. I, I'm fine with the bullpen game. When you have to do that, you know, some you have to sometimes you just have to do it or you want to give your rotation an extra day. That's fine. And the Dodgers have a strong bullpen. They could throw a bullpen game here and there throughout the season and stuff. But for something that I'm I'm very interested in as a Dodger fan is uh, Walker Bueller. He's coming yeah, back. That's we need, we yep. have to see him pitch well. Yep. If he does not, that's going to make me a little bit nervous because no matter what you, you the Dodgers you look around they've had a great season everything's gone well for them their lineup they're so deep they they they've been dominant all year and they've gotten really nothing from Bellinger and Muncie <laughs> you know it's like yeah. two two guys who've been such key parts of their success over the last few years and they struggled and they were still this good isn't that um, odd by the way that the yeah. the MVP and the runner up from last year pretty much are having junk seasons relative to them their own you oh, know, know level of play 
Absolutely. Just and, and not like bad. And, and the thing about yeah. Cody is he he is one that's like when he looks good, he looks really good. He shortens up his swing. He'll change his stance a little bit. He doesn't he doesn't get beat on the bad balls. And then when he looks bad, he goes through stretches where he just he doesn't look like he's going to get a hit for a while. And we've seen that in the playoffs for him, too. So he's someone that could could be attacked a little bit. Um, so that that's yeah, and you, you would think Christian Yelch, he seems like. One of the most pure hitters in the game, and, and very consistent. And he wouldn't very, be susceptible like, to something, you know, those kind like of slump. This season-long slump. I completely agree. He he would be one of the last that I would have guessed who who would struggle in any season, any amount of games. He's he's any series. It's weird to see him have a bad series generally. Sure. So for sure. a, a long period of time like this, I agree. And we've seen some. Um, a little bit of the norm with the Yankees after some of their injuries and some of their struggles kind of get back into the swing of things. So, you know, I was kind of thinking about that, Gino. I'm glad you brought that up. And maybe we'll also mention it to our next guest, an NFL guest who's uh, been with us many times on the show before, Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible. But he's a huge Yankee fan. He's over there back east, New York, New Jersey area. And I, I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit more with him. But just to preview it, I was just going to ask him, and I'll ask you the same thing, Gino. It looked like... It, there was it was like maybe one or two days away from being the Yankees' funeral. Let's yeah. bury them. Let's give our condolences. They didn't do it this year. They're not making the playoffs. And then boom, they go on this run. But when you look on the at the run, they pretty much beat up like on the Orioles and kind of some junky and teams. So are great, they hot? Well, the point that you made is a great point because like the Dodgers, for example, you know, you look at the Dodgers this year. The Dodgers are going to end up having played, and depending on where the Giants finish. They're going to end up having played one to two teams over 500, you know, and yeah. and, and there there are a lot of teams that are going to that are going to be in the playoffs that and so it's that's what's going to be interesting. We which of these t- divisions or which of these teams really did have the easiest schedule, and it or is it going to not matter or is it is it going to show itself? It's it's just a great point because we've never seen an uneven and a weighted schedule quite like this before in baseball. You never see no. it in baseball, but you see it like in just football to, to occasionally. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say you see it in football occasionally because the the it's sixteen games and the whatever division you end up playing sometimes you know um, that you end up playing once every three or four years and some years they're down and they, but this was a unique. I mean, you literally were only playing against what eight nine other teams. Yeah, and look on that winning streak that they had. What was it? The year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven game winning streak. It was against the Red Sox, and I hate to say that they're. Uh, this bad, was, but they are them this year, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, the Red Sox, the Orioles. Um, they had some crazy games against the Blue Jays, twenty to six and yeah. ten to seven, and and uh, and some you know. And then yesterday they lost fourteen to one. Um, so I don't know, man. I can't really get a gauge for them, you know, because when you look at the meat of their schedule, Atlanta kicked their butt, the Mets kicked their butt, Tampa kicked their butt. I only bring up the Mets not because they're a great team, but because it lined up to where they got to face, you know, some of the tough pitchers. Um, so, and then, and then the series before the Mets was Tampa and Tampa swept them. So I don't know. I, will, I don't know. How I will I feel say about this Yankee team, uh, Gino, I will say if I am the twins, I am just doing every single thing I can to try to stay away from the Yankees. Right. And it's funny because where they've they've been matching up the last few days, and it, it, they're gonna the Twins could be the three, and the Yankees could be the six, which means they would they would play. 
<laughs> or they could be the four fives, which means they would play. So the Twins could or could have a, this great season again and then end up having to face the Yankees. You know, and, who, and the Yankees have been a twin killer in the most recent history. I don't know, man. I think the Twins, I think the Twins can do it this year. I, I, think they can I, I thought so last curse. year, too. I thought so last year, too. It's just it's one of those mental things, you know, it's like the twins. And I, I think if the twins could face the Yankees in the second round, they would be fine just to be able to get a, to get a series under their belt where they won a game or two and they didn't have to worry about, uh oh, the first inning they come out and they're down to nothing against the Yankees. And then they're going, oh, no. You know, if something like that were to happen, because then they're they're already thinking that way. So I know the Twins, they're probably doing their best to try to dodge the Yankees. But no, I agree with you. Nobody in the American League, and and to be honest, you and I, when we did our predictions, were, were pretty damn good with the American League as far as, as, as who we picked. We, we both really felt Houston wasn't going to have a great year. And Houston is going to finish 500 right around it, and they're likely going to be the eighth spot and the final team in the to, to make the playoffs. And um Again, they, they only are going to end up getting in because the American League West is such a weak division. And so right now, it looks like in the American League, we got Tampa, Oakland, Minnesota. Well, we, could, we could even be more specific, right? Like you said yep. about Houston, dead on. Um, I know I did. I think maybe we both picked Tampa to win that division. over. Yep. I, I know I for sure did. I think you did. Tampa yep. over the Tampa Yankees. Tampa to win. And uh, the, the A's, A's division winners. The A's division winners. Right. And I love the, the one White that Sox. I've been off on. And I, and I just kind of, you know, I'm going to roll with it until they get in. Maybe that'll, that'll, I'll roll with it for AC. another hundred years as Kansas City. AC. Um, yeah. It, you know, I kind of there's reasons. not that bad, but, you know, well, I, no, I, there's reasons I shouldn't to, even to like them. insult myself like that, you know? No, there's reasons to like them. And, um, uh, yeah, the White Sox were a team that played really well all, all throughout yeah, the year. You were they, higher on the White Sox than, than myself, so g- g- props, um, props mm-hmm. on that. I mean, they David, were a one seed. They were a slumping team right yeah, now. Yeah, they but lost four. Fantastic. They've lost four, but they were the one seed up until recently, and they've, they've clinched a playoff spot. So it's a, a good-looking season for them. So, um, and Toronto and, and Houston, are, they're going to be the, uh, the seventh and the eighth in. And then over in the National League, the Dodgers will be the one. Braves, uh, the Braves and Cubs will be the two and the three, just because they're the division winners. Padres will end up being the four seed, and then it'll be Cardinals, Giants, Reds, Marlins right now. Yeah, um, Padres. Yeah. I was I was high on the Padres. I had them being a. You were you were you were. Much I, I was really down I was. on the Cubs. Yeah, we we and I, I'll say they, the Cubs have been quietly pretty solid all yeah. year, and it, they've flown under the but radar. He's been you Darvish. He's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's been the he's been a one. They, we didn't know if they had a number one pitcher, and he's been a one for them. He's made some adjustments, and I think you know we talked a little bit about this with Kershaw this year and how he's had a, a very good year. I think with you also, when the stuff with the Astros came out that they were in fact cheating and they did in fact do things here and there, I think it maybe gave you a little bit of a, let me take a deep breath and maybe not put as much pressure on myself as I was before. You know, because may, maybe... The, the worst meltdown of my life in the biggest pressure moment was because a team may have been fact pulling something. And, 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 I, and, and, and whether or not that is the case, I, I wonder if that's something that he thinks in his head. Because it sure feels like he and Kershaw were just throwing this year with a lot less pressure. I mean, they, were just, they just looked like they were having a, a, a night, a good time. You know, it wasn't a, like anxious innings where, where Hughes had a lot of those the last couple of years. It felt just like there was a lot less pressure on both of those guys. I wonder if, if that had something to do with it. Well, I'm sure that definitely plays a role in, uh, in the kind of the psychology of it all. But 
when I look at starting pitchers that are number ones, the aces of a rotation type guys, and you look at it kind of like in recent history, let's just say kind of like in my lifetime of being a fan, you know, there are guys that are like number ones, like Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor, just randomly pick two Cubs guys, Um, guys like that, that are clear number ones, but they don't have the longevity. Johan Santana is another example. And sometimes that's because of, because of injury. Sometimes that's also because you didn't reinvent yourself. I think the king of reinventing yourself is Roger Clemens. And what I mean, what I mean by that, he was always a power pitcher, and he was still a power pitcher all the way till the end. doesn't matter if he was 43 years old. But he came up with new pitches, just enough of a difference to keep the hitters off balance. And any player, whether John Smoltz or you, you name it, any of these number one guys, once they get to 10 years in the league, they come up with different stuff. And I, I'm seeing some slight differences from Clayton Kershaw that are enough to really pro- not just keep him at the same level. It's propelled him to even a better level. I think he's better than, than he was two, three years ago. Completely agree with you. He has found he's made some adjustments. He's become a more complete pitcher. And hey, at the same time, he's also found a little bit of velocity. And maybe it's yeah. a, it's and maybe it's something as simple as last year he didn't go deep into the playoffs. He didn't he didn't go deep into the playoffs. He didn't have another extra two or three rounds of playoff innings on his arm. And then you start a baseball season later this year. Sure. Maybe and, it was and something anybody just that's as simple heard as that. over a long period of time knows. I've been critical of, of Kershaw, sure. especially in big moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the Dodger fan. Gino is the Dodger. So I'm being very objective here. Yep. You know, just Completely. as much as I've been you, hard on him, I give him great praise right now. From the very beginning of this season, you sent it after one of his first starts, and yep. you said, "He, man, he looked really good. And there he was something better. different about him right yeah, away. Yeah, you could like, tell there was a bounce. There was like a focus. Mm-hmm. And not that he's never been that way. He's been, But the the last two to three years, you were right. He, he, he had to become less of a dominant pitcher kind of pitch around guys um there it was he was giving up more home runs and he 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 looks like the Kershaw three or four years ago he really does yeah absolutely so um back back to the one inning thing for a quick second you know because let's take the Padres as an example you know their ace is somebody that they traded for midseason fantastic trade for them um they were really good before they got Mike Clevenger and what that move did was make them not just a playoff team, but a team that could legitimately win in short series in the playoffs because you have that ace. So why the heck after what six starts with the team, do you start pitching in one inning like yesterday? You haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. You haven't won a playoff series in a long time. I don't even know when's the last playoff game they won. May have been the World Series that they got to with Tony Gwynn, that, where they lost against the Yankees. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I think so it was. My my thing is this: we always hear about baseball players are creatures of habit. They have to pitch this equal amount of spacing between each day and off days. They have the same routine, whether it be their bullpens, riding the bike, their strength and conditioning. So why all of a sudden would you change that up for a week and then revert back to what you got to do? It's not like he's tired. It's not like he's had 32, 33 starts in the regular season and you want to save him for the playoffs. It's only 60-game season. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't agree with it at all. I'm very interested to see which which teams kind of rest their players, even though they've only played 56 games. Did you hear the response? Play them. 
from some of the Giants players early in the year and in the, the 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 starting pitchers who had been starters forever with the way that Kapler was handling them. I mean, they were not happy. And he did a little better job with them of sort of at least giving them roles and letting them know which days they were going to. Because you had all these guys that had started. They had like Samarja and three or three or four guys that were traditional starters forever. And all of a sudden he was telling them, well, you're, you're not going to be starters all the time. Some days you'll start and throw an inning, but we're not even going to really have you set up in advance. You know, the, and so these guys had been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years of their life, getting used to pitching every fourth or fifth day, what you do on your, how you set up your week based on the game that you're pitching, how you live your life based around it. Honestly, when you throw your bullpen, sure. like everything these guys do, the starts a starting pitcher is based around their starts. And so they were, they were very uncomfortable with it. And it's, it's a point that, you know, you, you could see that other teams were already hitting on early in the year, and I'm with you. I don't mind the using a bunch of relievers in a bullpen game. I just, when somebody has roles that are, are determined, and especially when it's someone like that, that's going to be such a big part for you starting, well, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't like it. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. And uh, just to piggyback off that Kabler cop, uh, Gabe Kapler comment, he he was also herky jerky with the closer role as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there really hasn't been a truly established. So I was like, okay, we're gonna th- uh, throw Watson out there. Okay, no, we're gonna throw Trevor God out there. Okay, Trevor God got injured. You know, it, it's kind of been a uh, true bullpen closer by committee type thing. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know if that keeps guys on their toes. I know one thing it doesn't do. You know, and. Who am I to criticize Kapler? I mean, they're going to be a playoff team when nobody expected them to. They're above 500. Uh, they've got some career years out of guys. They got four guys in that lineup batting over 300. Uh, that shocked the heck out of me, including Brandon Belt hitting 310. Belt, he's a left-handed home run hitter. They usually hits 248. You know, so they're doing some good things. But uh, one thing that it does not establish is fear in the other team. It's one thing to get regular season wins and, hey, we're going to mix and match and do whatever it can to get the wins. But come the ninth inning, because there's nobody that's the other that the lineup is fearful of. There isn't that dominant guy. There's a bunch of guys with three or four saves each. OK, it's very different than Kenley Jansen in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's been deadly in the playoffs. We better score some runs before we get to that. Although I know this year he's not the same as before. But it's funny. The he, point that I'm trying to make yeah, is you, yeah. you don't you have you want to have a fearless dominant closer at the back end of that. And so I don't really like these uh, closer by committees. I guess is my bottom line. I don't no, like. and and that's been a been a Kapler issue for a while. But like you said, he's done a good job overall. Nobody thought the giant the Giants would be battling for a playoff spot. At all, you know, especially with Posey opting out and 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 the way their roster was built, but you know, they they, they definitely he as a manager does some things that are outside the box, and that's that's why you get someone like him. But it, it doesn't always uh, go over well with the players. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So we got to take our first commercial break. I will say this: uh, as announced earlier, we're going to do a baseball playoff preview on that's what G said. So check that out early to mid next week. I'm going to stick to my World Series pick before the season started, Gino, which was A's Dodgers. I think it's a collision course for A's Dodgers. That's how I see it. I know our first guest isn't going to agree with me. So let's take our first time out, Gino. And uh, are you sticking to yours, by the way? 
Yeah, I, I was was I, I was raised Dodgers, right? Was that what I was? You were raised Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, and I, I have no reason not to to stick with that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I mean, Rays are uh, right now best team in American League, so can't argue that. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to come back and talk National Football League with the man himself, the NFL Draft Bible founder, Rick Ceratella. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, segment number two, and we have this week's guest on the line. But honestly, Mike, he's really, he's really a man that needs very little introduction on this show he's not even a guest anymore he's like family of the show he's been around here so much he even helps fill in sometimes if you or i are going to be missing a segment or two and we can call on him for anything and immediately when we uh, went to the commercial break he was on the line and he right away chirped at us and told us we're both going to be wrong because i think he feels the yankees are going to be in the world series hey what's going on rick Rick, what's up, buddy? My brother's from another mother. You know, it's Yankee <laughs> baseball, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I think the title that Gino may have been looking for, nowadays they call that a show contributor. Not really sure exactly what that means, but I think that yeah. fits uh, yeah, Rick Saratella, yeah. show contributor, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, Rick, man, tell you what, 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 what a better time to be a sports fan, though. You got all this. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, all going on at once. I mean, come on, guys. The sports guys are with us here with the COVID. Yeah, no kidding. And then we got we had the Kentucky Derby a couple of weeks ago. We got the Preakness coming up in a week. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a gluttony of sports. Hey, before we get into all that, Rick, when you guest piloted with me a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was now about three, four weeks ago, 
I really wanted to, to save a couple of minutes at the very end for you to update us and update the world on what's going on with the NFL Draft Bible. I know there's some big moves that have either been made or going to be made, um, and you guys do a lot of stuff during the week. So let's do that on the front end right now. If you could just take a minute, update the listeners as to what's going on. Well, you know, we, we, we do have a lot of stuff going on, some things we can talk about, some things we can't talk about, Mike, but I'll tell you this. I'm excited for a lot of things. The fact that we're playing football, I, I'm going to have a, an involvement with the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl and, and provide a platform for college prospects to showcase their talents in front of NFL teams and give them an opportunity to improve their draft stock. There's going to be an event for the NFLPA Bowl, so I'm happy to be working with those guys again. I'm ecstatic about what we're doing on the NFL Draft Bible with the State of Football Morning Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. We're live on Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, uh, uh, YouTube, you name it. We're there at NFL Draft Bible. And, you know, it's really your new home for, for real football talk if you're tired of the mainstream media fluff. So I'm ecstatic about that. We have the NFL Draft Bible.com. We've got all kinds of online seminars we're doing with Brian Baldinger and uh, Friday Night Scout School. And we have the virtual draft guide available. So, it's exciting times at the NFL Draft Bible. If you're a draft fan, if you're really just a football fan, the way we've had the morning show, we've had Mike on the morning show, we've got to get him back on there. And, Gina, we've got to get you involved and do some kind of oh, roundtable. Yeah. But it's exciting times, and, and we've got some really big news and announcements on the way that are really just mind-blowing, and it's just a, a testament to the staff. I know you had quite a few guys come on and, and, and some guys, and I'll tell you this. You know, at the end of the day, uh, and I'll preface it by saying this, I wish it wasn't the case. I wish it wasn't the case, but the NFL Draft Bible has benefited from the furloughs in football because guys like Marvin Jones, uh, who would be right now coaching the Omaha Beef, guys like David Turner, who right now would be the player of personnel for the Edmonton Eskimos, guys like John Murphy, who right now would be GM over at Toronto Argonauts. It's like our scouting staff is now ha- has those resources involved with our, with our database and our scouting reports and our school contacts. So, like, if you want real NFL draft information, NFL draft Bible, where it's at. And, hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Let me explain that to everybody. No, that's a great point, by the way, because I, I heard, heard – had heard the same thing about like writers, you know, guys that were maybe laid off from this company or that company. There was a lot of really good talent, a lot of good free agent writers, sports, uh, you know, team beat writer type guys that were available out there. So whoever was able to pick them up, I think the athletic picked up a lot of really good talent during this time. So yeah, it's unfortunate that it's, it's come to this, but Hey, good companies are able to take advantage and, and more importantly to provide opportunities for, you know, really good qualified people to, uh, you know, make the product even that much better. So good stuff there. Now, did you want to give a quick plug on why you think the Yankees can advance in this postseason before we talk football here? Because they're pitching. Ain't looking well, I that think great they're clicking. Me. They're clicking. They're clicking. They're getting healthy. They got the lineup back now that you see. Judge and Stanton back, Labor starting to hit. You got DJ LeMahieu and, and Luke Voigt. Oh, by the way, both who are MVP candidates. You take a look at that lineup, it's pretty impressive when you're clicking on all the families. I'm telling you, the football scores are happening now. You've got Garrett Cole, 
Tanaka, who, by the way, I mean, J.A. Happ, I, I, I like how he's pitching right now, and, and I would actually be more comfortable with him as the number two, but you got Tanaka and then this guy, Debbie Garcia, a little bit of a rough outing last time out, but the kid's got ice in his veins. Surprisingly, where I'm concerned is the back end where the bullpen was supposed to be a strength. I'm holding my breath with these guys. I mean, it's just been streaky. It's been inconsistent. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, whether it's Mike, Gino, myself, we could all manage this team into the playoffs, right? It's the in-game decision-making that Aaron Boone is going to be under the scrutiny of the New York media, the New York fans, because we are very well-educated and we expect a lot. We expect a lot from our managers and their decision-making, and that is the difference between the hardware at the end of the season. I'm a very frustrated Yankee fan. One championship in 20 years just doesn't cut it for the New York Yankees. (laughs) Well, I will say this. A player that I wasn't necessarily super high on in terms of coming from uh, relatively smaller markets, you know, Pittsburgh and then Houston to New York. Um, I don't know whether it's the staff, you know, Boone and company, or just the mental makeup of this guy, but Garrett Cole has been uh, everything and more. He has delivered out of 12 games started, I think it's eight uh, quality starts. He's got, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 more strikeouts, 21 more strikeouts than innings pitched, low ERA, good war, hasn't walked a lot of guys. He's been the real deal so far. Beyond that, though, I know you said Tanaka, J.A. Happ, but I know. Can you count on those guys in the postseason? We will. We will see. We will see. So, Gino, let's talk about well, football we with Rick. Well, can we count? Can we count on Aaron Boone in the postseason real quickly here? Because man, Cole pitched yesterday. He's going to get seven days until his next start. Tanaka, he's going to be the number two starter. His last start was five days rest. Yesterday was six days rest. His next start will be seven days rest. Pitchers are the creatures of habit. Don't tinker with the rotation. They could have set themselves up. I'm just telling you, Aaron Boone, you're on the hot seat. I'm sorry, Mike. We'll talk NFL. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to ask you a question about one guy, Rick, who is going to be playing in, in just a little bit from when we're uh, we're talking. It's Gardner Minshew. And this was someone who, coming out of college, wasn't one of the big quarterback sexy picks. He wasn't a high draft pick. He was someone who was never really even supposed to be playing, and he kind of got flung into the the spotlight with an injury situation last year. And I'll tell you this, when we've seen him play for enough and, and the system that he came out of where he had to throw the ball a lot, this guy is a pretty accurate quarterback and there are a lot worse starting quarterbacks out there and a lot worse high level draft picks than him. He continues to impress. And even he, he, he leads his team. We thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They, upset the Colts week one they were tied last week with the Titans and they ended up losing late but they're feisty they're fun what do you you know remember about Minshew and, and coming out and, and, and what do you think about what you've seen from him so far in the pros I mean this guy's defied all odds right and even when you sort yeah. of doubt Gardner Minshew like I, I'm still doubting Gardner Minshew like I have me to too yeah tonight, right <laughs> <laughs> and, you know it's like and Gardner Minshew come out and throw for 400 yards and you wouldn't be surprised, but you know, it's the it's the good old Mike Leach recruiting story, you know, when he's up there at Washington 
State. It's like, hey, Gardner, you want to go hold the clipboard at Alabama or you want to lead the nation in passing? Yeah. And, <laughs> yep. you know, it's like, and, and, and he leads the nation in passing, and you, you wonder how that translates because you saw this year, like, Anthony Gordon, who lost that job to Gardner Menchie and then comes out and, and has a heck of a year, and, and he goes, um, he doesn't even make an NFL roster. And we were talking about that on our morning show. Like now, KJ Costello comes over from Stanford, right? And that's probably, you can argue, the most talented quarterback and, and most cerebral quarterback that Mike Leach has ever worked with. And oh, by the way, hello, welcome to the SEC. That's one of the big storylines as they, you know, face LSU to open up the season is KJ Costello and Mike Leach in the SEC. How's that going to work out? But going back to Gardner Benson, like you, you didn't, you wondered like, how does that translate to the NFL? Because it's such a hard evaluation when you play in those air raid systems and you try to gauge a guy like Ty Detmer or Tommy Chang and, and you know, the list goes on and on, uh, you know, Cole Brennan, like how does that translate to the next level? And what you're seeing is that, you know, the combination now of Menchu and Jake Rudin, two, two smart, cerebral guys mm-hmm. getting together and, and say what you want about Jake Rudin. He's a great coordinator. And Menchu's got, like, no weapons. And look what he's doing. Kudos to all those guys. I mean, people had Jacksonville, including myself. I'm, I'm shoveling dirt. I can't shovel enough on their grave. Yep. And here they are staying alive. <laughs> like, it's John Travolta. Now, hey, guys, as we're talking here, there is breaking news relevant to Wazoo and the Pac-12 that we are just talking about right now. They have announced that the Pac-12 will be playing a seven-game season starting in November, on November 6th, seven-game season for the Pac-12. Big news. Right. Yeah, we, we just, football. Yeah, like and we that. keep fingers crossed because we will, we all want more football out there. We just we've seen the last few weeks. I think, and this is something I think Mike, you and I talked about early earlier in the year, whenever we were discussing of how these sports are going to plan on coming back, and some sports in the bubble, and how are they going to do things here and there. The pro sports, with all of the resources that they have, I completely trust, and we've seen it in the NFL, we've seen it in the MLB, we've seen it in the NBA, in in, in bubbles and in, in, in non-bubble, where the testing, the protocols, everything they've been doing has been pr- pretty close to perfect. Uh, some blips in baseball very early on, but since then it's been pretty damn good. It, we've seen a little bit different so far in the NCAA, so I just got to keep, because we've had a lot of teams have, have had to cancel already. I know teams like Houston have already had to cancel like three or four games. Notre Dame had to cancel another one this week. Um, so we just, I hope with the college kids, I feel a little bit differently than with the pro kids because, uh, than with the pro players that are making money and have the, the resources. Hopefully the Pac-12 will learn a little bit from some of the other schools that may have started earlier, and we can get those seven games in, and that would be a blast. Yeah, no doubt about it. And hey, by the way, guys, I mean, one of the big concerns going into this season was exactly what we just said, you know, the, the COVID issue. As it turned out, un- the unfortunate storyline going into week three in the NFL has been injuries. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of get you guys' take on it. Rick, uh, Rick, we'll start with you. It's interesting because I've heard a few theories kind of thrown around. The first one was about MetLife, uh, the stadium where the uh, Giants and the Jets uh, host home games. 
the thing to me that's ridiculous about that, and by the way, they sent out uh, representatives from the NFLPA, from the NFL, from the Jets, from the Giants, and from the stadium itself, grounds crew, and they tested the, the surface, no issue there. But the thing that was even ridiculous about that in the first place is they only played one game there last week. What about the rest of the league? It doesn't really, you know, I, I think it was more kind of a, <laughs> an opportunity to wail against artificial turf or at least the turf that they've got there. Um, and, and we've had that discussion for now 40, 50 years about artificial turf with the NFL. But the other issue was about conditioning and that these preseason games uh, allow people to kind of, allow the players to transition and to work their body up to be able to anticipate and defend against hits, to deliver hits, things of that nature. And when you kind of throw somebody into the NFL season, then uh, they're not in the right football conditioning level. I'm going to poo-poo on that theory for a second then get your thoughts on it. And why I'm going to poo-poo on it is because no conditioning or no field or no anything has anything to do with an injury where an O-lineman falls awkwardly on somebody, on a D-lineman, who snaps his ankle. That's not a conditioning issue. Player falling over you and hurting your, you know, the player's knee is not, a, is not a conditioning issue. A lot of these, I guess what I'm trying to say, were more like fluke injuries, unfortunate fluke injuries that had nothing to do with field surfaces or nothing to do with conditioning. What say you, Rick? Well, I was going to say, first of all, Kyle Shanahan, you know, welcome to Dirty Jersey. You're, you're investigating the wrong source. You can't deal with it. It's the water. It's the water. you got to check the faucet. There's something in the water over here, you know. But uh, the injuries, you know, Mike, I think this is what the situation really comes down to, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, the way I see it is, hey, when you have preseason football, all these big-name injuries, right, are kind of scattered over a three- or four-week period because these guys are playing, like, 10, 15 snaps a game. So, like, or even earlier get, in training camp, maybe, too, right? A few here or there in training well, right, camp when things get ramped camp, up a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you get preseason, you get training camp, so, like, it's kind of sprinkled over time. And so now you just you rank back up, so like you have all these injuries and all these big names in a short period of time. It's like window was coming; it was to be expected. Well, the funny thing about that, Rick, is how many years now have we heard players and the media say enough with preseason? Chop off a couple of games. So what are they saying now? Bring it back? Well, I mean, college football never had preseason, so I, I mean, I think the. The real, again, the, the, where the fault lies, and I don't know if you guys saw the developmental bubble that the NFL Hall of Fame came out with today. That was the other thing in my world that was big news. But, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's the lack of opportunity. The guys, like you heard Coach Anthony Lynn on Hard Knocks say, hey, if we didn't have a preseason, never mind if we, had, if we didn't have a preseason, like if we didn't have that fourth preseason game where Austin Eckler went off, yeah. Like, we would have never even knew who Austin Eckler was. And I think every year there's stories, you know, whether it's Philip Lindsay or, you know, uh, Wayne Corbett, uh, the, you know, Miles Austin. I mean, you know, every year there's a guy that gets a rookie tryout or, you know, has a preseason. Victor Cruz, I remember going off against the Jets. Rex Ryan just came over 
to Tom Coughlin and was like, hey, I don't know who that guy is, but hey, we'll take him if you don't win. And it's like you don't have that going on. And I feel bad for those guys because so many guys that are talented enough to, to play at that level just didn't get a look. Hey, Rick, do you have a few minutes to close out the show with us after this commercial break? Absolutely. You know this. Outstanding. We'll keep the conversation going and we'll deliver our picks of the week. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to mike at the mikeabadirshow.com now back to this week's program Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, closing segment, Rick Saratella joining us as we get into week three of the NFL and uh, NFL overall. So uh, one more team to kind of get your uh, opinion on, Rick, and we were just talking about Gardner Minshew. I I don't remember where I heard it, and I I thought it was a great comparison. Somebody said Gardner Minshew is who I thought Baker Mayfield was going to be. You know, like a guy who was kind of feisty and scrappy and, you know, really kind of firing up the team and maybe a little undersized, but very, you know, accurate pinpoint accuracy. I thought that was kind of funny. We've seen Baker now. He took a step back in year two, but again, he has a new coaching staff. He has new coordinators, all sorts of new stuff to deal with. What do you think about Baker as a prospect on the whole? And, you know, what do you think moving forward this year with Stefanski and the new coaching? No, I like the parallel that you started off with. And, you know, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, has been everything opposite, right? He's kind of been this yeah. tiny little, you know, uh, brat. and Kind of entitled. You know, I think and, at the end yeah. Of, yeah, and I think, I, I think that resonates in the locker room. Like, when you have guys seeing you uh, on TV more than, you know, spending time in the film room and, and putting in the work that it takes to be a pro, I think that, you know, that's kind of the problem with the Browns is like the lack of, uh, of discipline and, and leadership. And, 
you know, Baker Mayfield really, uh, I, I want to see just kind of like a, a guy that just goes to business and goes to work every time I turn around. He's on a commercial or, you know, he's on a billboard and he's making headlines all for the wrong reasons by what he says in the media. So, you know, I'm not really a big Baker Mayfield fan right now, I guess is what I'm saying. And at the end of the day, you know, I say this about the New York and New Jersey quarterbacks too. Like, you know, at the end of the day, great quarterbacks put their teams on their back and they single-handedly, you know, at least win a game. You know, at least you see the brilliance where great quarterbacks throughout time will take a team, put them on their back, and will themselves to win. Even if it's just a game. Like, show me a game where you like, Baker Mayfield, hey, says, hey, man, get on my back. I'm going to carry you up the mountain to this victory, and we're going to go get this W. I haven't seen that yet. And just one more point about that before we move off from him. How in the world – do you allow a rookie who's playing in a second game in the battle of who is the best pro quarterback in the state of Ohio? How do you let Joe Burrow school you in in, in that kind of game? Now, I know Cleveland ended up winning the game. Uh, the yeah, final well, score was probably a lot closer than it was. But Burrow, I mean, he, had, he was slinging it, man. 61 pass attempts. That's a lot of faith from, from, from your uh, offensive coordinator, your head coach. 316 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I know he had a, a bad fumble there, which, you know, hurt in the whole scheme of things in terms of winning and losing. But uh, Cleveland had to rely on Chubb and Hunt, two-headed monster. I'm sorry, Gino, you wanted to try? No, in? no, I was going to say, I think in last week was probably actually one of Baker's better games. And he just did a really good job of being just, you know, a manager, not making any mis- really mistakes and not losing the game for him, which, for the team, which he's done a few times. But um, well, and, and it's a little game, hard. The running game is what won it. Right? Exactly. The running game yeah. Is those guys. <laughs> and, and that's what he's if, if he can at least be that guy, just be the guy who isn't going to isn't going to lose games for your team they'll be they'll be fine and they'll be capable of or close to sneaking into a like a seventh playoff spot because they have a ton of talent just if they're able to just run the ball hit odell once or twice a game they've got some help at the tight end spot now their offensive line is much improved from last year and it feels like their coaching staff is better because they sure as Hell couldn't be worse than they were last year, you know? So he all he really has to do is be okay, and I don't think we saw – I think we can tell right away. He's not really going to be Burrow because that guy has the it. Win or lose, you could tell right right off the bat through a few games, he has it, that, that intangible it, that X factor. Hey, guys, I want to quickly ask well, – because we got a little bit of time left, uh, I want to keep the conversation going. About three NFC two and O teams. I want to find out if you guys believe in them. Are they real or are they not real? Chicago Bears two and O. The Los Angeles Rams two and O, and the Arizona Cardinals two and O. I know there's more two and O teams than that, but what do you guys think of those three? Let me rank them for you. Of those three, okay. I would rank them: Rams, Cardinals, Bears. I think the Cardinals are. Pretty 
pretty darn close. They might need a little help on defense. The Rams are better than I thought they were going to be as a Rams fan. They've impressed me a little bit. Um, I, I still think this me is going to be a tough week coming up, but they've mm-hmm. been they've been better, a lot better than they than I expected. The Bears could have lost both of the games that they were in. They got gifted a win by Detroit, and they had an opportunity to lose that game late, even though Barkley was banged up a little bit too. So I don't really believe in the Bears a whole heck of a lot. I think the Bears are as fake as a $2 bill. <laughs> the Rams are going to be about 8-8. Eight and eight. And I've got the Cardinals. I called it before the season even started. I know Seattle's playing good ball, but I had the Cardinals winning that division. I just like what okay. they're doing in Arizona. I think, and Mike's high I on them, too. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've got them going to the NFC Championship. Uh, I had the Bucks beating the Cardinals in the NFC Championship. I'll tell you right now, if the season ended today, I got the Cardinals beating the Bucks. But um, I love Kyler Murray. I love what Cliff Kingsbury brings to the table in today's NFL. I just think he's the right place at the right time, and it's a perfect storm. You saw the Chiefs last year get by without a dominant defense. That's today's NFL. And I think, you know, if you fall behind early to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, you know, give me that bottle of Heinz 57. You're going to be playing catch-up all day. <laughs> nice. Doling him out while he's giving his analysis. Mm-hmm. He's got the stand-up going, too. It's unbelievable, Rick. So <laughs> the only AFC team <laughs> the only AFC team that really, um, you know, you wouldn't have thunk it necessarily is is the Raiders at 2-0. Because the other ones probably, a lot of people probably were high on them. Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Steelers, Tennessee well, Titans, and Chiefs. The Raiders. I got the Raiders going to the Super Bowl. Look at this. Wow. Man, and you and I were on the same page. I didn't have them as a Super Bowl, but I, I definitely had them as a playoff Bowl, team. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we're going to find out. I a little, believe a, in everything the Raiders are doing. You take a look at the roster. Say what you want about their draft. They've been criticized. And the jubilation. I mean, not only Mike Mayock on the field after the game with Gruden, the way they embrace, the way it's like family culture, but Gruden in the locker room. Do you see a guy buying in something special is brewing in Las Vegas? And, God, take a look at the depth, especially on offense. And the defense came around in the second half, but the depth they built on offense, say what you want about the draft. They got, they got their guys, and they've built this team their way. And now you're starting to see they, they turn that roster upside down, you know, like a shake and bake. And now you're starting to see they got their guys in the building buying into the program. And I think, you know, this player, David Carr, Derek Carr, I always confuse him, but he is the modern-day Brad Johnson. Hey, man, Carr has been really, really good. And uh, Gino and I were talking about this when we were doing our NFL preview. I think – not having the heat of is he Gruden's guy or not doesn't have that question mark anymore. He's got the keys to the kingdom. They didn't draft a quarterback like some people thought that they might. They didn't draft up, uh, trade up for one or anything like that. It's his team. I think that makes a world of difference, man. Then you put those pieces together. I'm I'm with you, man. I they think the Raiders are the real deal. This weekend, I got a big weekend because we've seen this with the Raiders over the last few years, too. Was it last year? It was a few years ago when Carr had the, the good run, then he got hurt. It's it's not that they have the talent and the top-level talent in spots where they could beat anybody any given Sunday. K- 
can they put it together consistently for a full season or for enough to get into the playoffs? Now, after a big win against the Saints, can you bounce back this week when you've got a, uh, you got a short week to deal with and you've got to deal with Bill Belichick and a solid Patriots defense and kind of a new monster with this Cam Newton Patriots running game? So this is going to be a very tough task for Gruden and their staff this weekend. If they come out of this weekend and they're 3-0, and man, if you're they a Raider fan, like you guys are going to be dancing and dancing because that that's a great, great start to the season. That would be golden. Never mind I think it's a perfect points. time. Never mind the points. Never mind the points. Raiders Uh-oh, are coming here out comes. outright. And, and it's the upset special of the week, and it's all because Derek Carr stopped, stopped wearing that eye mask, Darren. <laughs> <sighs> Money lining the Raiders. Forget the points. Take them straight up. They got the wrong yes. team favorite. I love it. Okay, we've got about and two and a half minutes quickly, left. Oh, yeah, please. Quickly, Redskins, Redskins getting seven? No, 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 no. They went outright. They win the game outright. I don't know who the Redskins are because they don't play in the NFL, but... Uh, the Washington football. Uh, Washington. Football. Yeah, Washington. Yeah. Okay, football so, you so you're it. buying you into it. what they're doing then. You, you kind of like uh, the, the progress that they've made. You like their quarterback. You like their defense. I, I love their defense. I love, I love the defensive front. I love watching... Not only do I love watching the post-game locker room, inside that Washington building and what Ron Rivera's building there. But I love seeing the shots when they pan over to the sideline. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio just huddling together, putting together this defensive game plan. These guys are for real. I think the NFC East is wide open. I think the Redskins could be the dark horse kind of brewing here. Forget about the Giants. The Eagles are all banged up, battered, and bruised. And I'm not a big believer in what Dallas is all about with the first-year head coach. I think the Redskins, if Haskins can just steer the ship. Yeah, the Cowboys are probably, probably pretty fortunate to be able to uh, even have a split in their first two games. we got to close the show here. Sure. Gino, uh, you were off to a good start. Our first week of point spread picks was last week. You won two out of three. I, unfortunately, won one out of three, so you're two and one. I'm one and two. What do you got for us real quick this week, Gino? Uh, give me, I'm going to go that Raiders pass game we're talking about. I'm going to go under 48. I think both teams are just going to try to run the ball. They're going to run the clock. I think it's going to be a close scoring game. Something maybe like 24-21 I could see. So under 48. Give me the Giants plus four at home against that banged up 49ers team. Give me Houston plus four against the Steelers. They've had a brutal schedule to open things up with Baltimore and KC. They get the Steelers this week. I think Deshaun has a good game. And I like the Bills minus two and a half. That'll be my fourth game against the Rams. And then Detroit. I think they're going to keep it close with Galladay back this week. The Cardinals, your team, are still going to win, but it's, they're going to they're going to come. It's going to be Kyler driving. He's going to win the game by a field goal late. Uh, so Arizona is going to win, but the the Detroit Lions are going to cover that plus five and a half. I like it. Okay, I got. I'm going to take three home teams and a road team that's desperate. I'm going to take the Saints minus three against Green Bay. Denver getting six and a half at home against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Minnesota in a must win, getting two and a half points against Tennessee. And then Houston is absolutely desperate. Getting points, I believe that's what I can't even read plus my handwriting. Four. Yeah, plus, plus four, right four against Pittsburgh. That's all the time we have. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. You always bring it and deliver. You heard Rick's two picks as well, including the money line winner in Foxborough, if that's what it's even called anymore. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a tremendous <laughs> sports weekend. And if I have a second to say this, 16 teams 
had 30 points or more this past week. So look for some overs. That's all the time we have, folks. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.